uh, Dad Hagen helped us ministers get past the issue of rep the fear of repeti repu repetition. The fear of repetition. You know, as as ministers, you know, you always kind of feel the pressure to bring something new and fresh or whatever. Well, there ain't nothing new. All the revelations have been given, and we don't know them like we should, so we got to stick with them. It's all right, honey. I got it in my head. It's okay. I guess so. We're gonna, all right. Glory to God. It's all right. <laughs> and uh, I was sat down to kind of say, okay, God, which direction are we going? And it was already in my spirit. We're going to talk about sozo again tonight. Sozo. So let's go to Romans chapter 10. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 10. We've already prayed and got the anointing here. In fact, prayer, by the time we got done praying, we had like six minutes. <laughs> By the time we got done praying and just sharing what the Lord was talking to us about. And uh, so we're going to go to Romans chapter 10. And uh, I just kept hearing the word sozo in my spirit. Sozo is the way it's pronounced. But it's actually the Greek word sozo. is spelled S-O-Z-O. S-O-Z-O. And that word sozo um, is the Greek word for save or for salvation. Um, and so what I want to talk to you tonight is that healing and wholeness belongs to you um, as much as salvation does, or healing and wholeness is part of the salvation package. When you get saved, you also get healed and made whole. The diff but well, but how come my body doesn't show up? Because most of the time, we don't put the emphasis on that. We don't put the emphasis on it. We don't explain it to people that way. But in the in the Bible, in, in Jesus's day, they understood um, the the they spoke a different language than we speak. They they in the New Testament is written in Greek, um, and the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and a little bit of Aramaic, just a little bit of Aramaic, but primarily Hebrew. And, and uh, those two languages are what you call or refer to as picture languages, picture languages, which means that when they spoke those words, uh, it drew a mental picture for people. And they also understood, the other thing is, is both of these languages were more spoken languages than written languages. Now, they did a lot of writing, uh, but... Uh, they, they didn't have as many words in their vocabulary as we have. In fact, if you look at a Hebrew or Greek dictionary in, uh, in comparison to an American English dictionary, they're much thinner. They're much, as far as the number of words go. Um, because in the Hebrew and in the Greek, um, it depended on the emphasis when you were speaking, depending on where you put the emphasis of the words you were using would depend on what definition you were using. And so many times a lot of the words in the Old a lot of the words in the Bible that are translated into English are translated many different ways. Many different ways. And we'll explain that in the foundations classes coming up, but if you've ever used an amplified Bible that what you'll see in an Amplified Bible, sometimes uh, what they do is they'll write it out in English and then in parentheses or in a bracket, they, they expand upon the definition. 
And sometimes those definitions are extremely wordy, and sometimes those definitions tend to kind of contradict each other. And the reason for that is, is because uh, the translators, instead of picking the precise definition that should be used, they just put in all the definitions. Um, and so that's where sometimes you can't rely on the amplified because sometimes if you're reading it, you'll get kind of the wrong idea, which is why we need multiple translations. But I want you to look at Romans 10. Uh, we'll start in Romans 10.8. 10.8, and when Paul was preaching this, remember that they understood the language uh, that Paul was preaching or that Paul was writing in, and he was writing in Greek, so he understood something here. So they understood things a little differently than we do. So Romans chapter 10, verse, we'll read verse 8, 9, and 10. Verse 8, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Glory to God. Keep going. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Okay, I want you to look at verse, so verse 8, we'll just talk about this real quick. It says, but what saith it the word? That If you haven't already marked it, you want to mark it so that you know that that word there is the, is the Greek word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. Um, so word right there is rhema, so we could read it this way. The rhema is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the rhema of faith or word of faith, rhema of faith, which we preach. So that word rhema means the spirit spoken word. When you hear the word spoken by the spirit or when you speak the word by the spirit, you're mixing it with faith. It, it means that it's been mixed with faith or it's being mixed with the Spirit. And he said, he said this, he said, the Spirit's spoken word is nigh thee. When we're ministering the word, what the word that we're ministering is spoken by the Spirit. So that's rhema word. Now, not every minister that ministers ministers rhema. Not every minister that ministers ministers the rhema word. Many, many ministers, and I'm sorry to say this, we're not one of them, and I'm not picking on anybody. Uh, many ministers will go and get a pre-written sermon, and they'll memorize it, and they'll preach it for themselves, from the, for, preach it as though it's their own. Or they'll get a pre-written sermon, and they'll kind of tweak it and put it in their own language, and then preach it. And some will go so far as to put it on their tablet or in their notebook and just read it. No, those are not spirit-spoken words. And words that are not spirit-spoken will not bring life because it's nothing more than a book report. But Paul was saying, I'm speaking by the spirit. And, and the spirit, so he said, the, he said, the spirit-spoken word is near you. In other words, you're within the proximity. In other words, you can hear 
the spirit spoken word. If you'll receive that word, it'll do something for you. He said, and in thine heart. In order for a word to be spoken by the spirit, it's got to be in your heart or in your spirit. So he's saying these words are in your, he said, they're near you. They're in your heart. The word of faith or the spirit spoken word of faith, which we preach. So when you, when you speak by the, this word that Michael and I are preaching are the spirit spoken word by the spirit. Um, and that's, he said, and basically when you hear that, that's when you're going to make a difference in somebody's life. That's when you can get somebody saved is when you're speaking by the Spirit. Because the Spirit searches the heart of a man or a woman, and the Spirit knows what they need to hear. They know. They know um, and when you speak the Spirit's spoken word, it'll penetrate their heart, and it'll speak to that emptiness on the inside of them, and you'll get a response. Many people, and I'm sorry to say this, many people have only only have a mental ascent of Christ. Many people have only only have a mental mindset of Christ. They get in an emotion, they hear a word, their emotion gets stirred, they say, Oh, that's good, oh that's good, and then they receive Christ and then they're good. But if you don't receive Christ in the heart, it's not gonna work for you. So we want to receive the word according to the Spirit, and that's what's going to bring salvation. Now, let's look at verse 9. Let's dig into this verse, because this verse is what's really going to help us with healing. He said, If thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus. Well, I thought we are talking healing. This sounds like salvation. They're, they come together. They come together. If you will confess, in other words, if you will say out of your mouth, if you, will, if you will declare vocally from your vocal cords that the Lord Jesus, uh, or that, that you believe in the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in the heart that God has raised him from the dead. So how does somebody truly get born again? Well, they have to confess it with their mouth. Number one, they have to confess it with their mouth, which is why we say, well, pray this prayer with me, and we lead them in the prayer of salvation, and then we go, okay, that's it, you're saved. But, but if they didn't follow the full verse, they didn't get saved. If they didn't believe it with their heart, they're just saying words. That's right. It says, and, which means you have to do part A, part B. You've got to do A and B. And shall believe in thine heart, down on the inside, in the spirit. In other words, their head can be, oh, I don't get this, I don't know this. Like, their head can have problems, but down on the inside. And I've prayed with people in this circumstance. I prayed, uh, we, I remember years ago, we had a couple come in, and they had young children, and they had all kinds of crazy stuff going on in their life, and they were very lost and very in a hot mess and in tears. And I said, have you prayed and received Jesus? And she said, oh, yeah, I've prayed multiple times. And I said, oh, okay. I said, but do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? And, they, and she said, well, no, I can't say that I believe that. Does she qualify? No, doesn't qualify. 
you've got to get both. You've got to, I believe, I, 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 I confess Jesus with my mouth, but I also, also believe in my heart. And so then I sat down and I explained to her. I said, listen, I said, believe, because she, and I said, well, why do you not believe? And she said, well, I just don't see how somebody can be raised from the dead. I, I mean, if they're dead, they're dead. And I said, well, that's true. If they're dead, they're dead, unless God intervenes. Unless God intervenes. And God intervened with Jesus, and God raised him from the dead. Now, uh, and I told her, and I said, now, here's the deal. I said, truth be told, I don't understand how God raised him from the dead. I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how his body came out of the tomb. I don't know how he walked the earth for 40 days. I don't know how he went up to heaven as a cloud. My brain tilts at all of that. But I know that I know on the inside. There's a pull on the inside. There's something on the inside. There's a thing on the inside that tells me that Jesus is alive today. And she said, I have that. She said, she said, my head doesn't understand it, but on the inside, I believe, uh, on the inside, I think that Jesus, yeah, I, I think Jesus is alive. I said, well, then that's believing in your heart. And she said, it is. And I said, yes. And she said, it's okay that my head has problems. I said, yes. And she said, but I can, with what's on the inside, I can say, I believe, because it's on the inside. I believe Jesus died and he rose again. That God raised him up? I said, yes. And she said, and based on that, I can be saved. And I said, yes. She said, well, can you pray with me? And this time it'll work. Amen. This time it'll work. And I said, yes, this time it'll work. Because you can see from the word, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It doesn't say you have to believe it in your head doesn't say you have to understand it in your head. It says that you've got to believe it down on the inside. And, she, and, I, and then it says, thou shall be saved. saved. Now, we're talking healing school tonight. Now, that word saved is an amazing, powerful word in the Greek. In the Greek, that word is powerful. In the Greek, that word, the way they pronounce it is sowed, S-O-E-D, sowed. So, so but it's actually spelled S-O-Z-O. Do right. what? It's S-O-D-E, not S-O-E. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're okay. So, it's, so the pronunciation is S-O-D-E, sowed. I couldn't correct her unless I had it in front of me. Sowed, <laughs> zo, Z-O, but it's, but it's spelled S-O-Z-O, sozo, sozo. And that word sozo means total salvation and deliverance. Total salvation and deliverance. In some places in the Bible, this word sozo in the New Testament is actually translated as the word whole or healed. So when you receive salvation... Yeah, that'll work. I'll use it off of yours. <laughs> so that word, so this word sozo, means to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. How much do you know if you have a sickness or a disease in your body, destruction uh, is, is operating in your body? Right. 
So if you're saved from destruction, then that means that you're saved from the sickness. Keep reading. Saved from the sickness. Now, it says, now, especially um, to rescue a person from danger or destructions, particularly one from an injury or peril, and very specifically, it says to save a suffering one from perishing, one suffering from disease. It means that, 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 that when you become sozoed, it, that sozo will make you well, will heal you, and restore you to health. So here, so when you got born again, when you received Jesus, when the power of God entered your body, not only were you spiritually saved and made whole, but you were also physically saved and made whole. It's a package deal. It's a package deal. But we as ministers fail many times to teach you that when you got saved, you also got made physically whole. And you're as whole physically, mentally, and emotionally as you are whole spiritually. Well, Pastor, that sounds good, but I sure don't feel healed. Well, guess what? Sometimes you don't look saved and headed to heaven. You gotta get it all. You gotta you gotta get these things to go to work together, right? Get it all lined up. You gotta get. You gotta. It takes some time to get these things to manifest. Sometimes. Now, another very specific definition here is to preserve one who is in danger of destruction to save or to rescue. To save or to rescue. So when, the, when, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Rome, he told them, you know, because it's a picture language, he told them, he said, if you will confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart, not only will you gain heaven, but all sickness will have to leave your body at the same time. Now, they understood that. But boy, when we say, well, you'll be saved, everybody thinks spiritually. Spiritual book, it's spirit. But God never put that restriction on it. Now, we were looking at this. Now, it's going to blow your mind. We were looking at this, and Michael said, out of curiosity, he said, I'm going to look at the word salvation in the Old Testament. Oh, boy. He looked up the word salvation in the Old Testament, and, and when that word shows up, what was it, 84 times? I think yep, it is. Something like that. Something like 84 times. When he looks that word up, salvation, oh, you're going to be shocked. Don't, I mean, don't, don't fall out of your seat or anything. It's, o- it's over 100. It this it's word salvation, let me get my notes. But you were looking at different instances. That's where you got the 100. Right. In the Old Testament, three different words. In the Old Testament, salvation, this this particular salvation, is used seventy-eight times. Seventy-eight times this word salvation is used, and this definition of salvation means salvation means deliverance, deliverance from welfare. In other words, bring you into prosperity. Deliverance, 
salvation by God and victory. Now hold on to your hold on to your seats because you're going to fall out. Put your seatbelts on. When they said the word salvation in the Old Testament, the word that they said was Yeshua, which means Savior, which means Jesus. So when they said Jesus in the Old Testament, they were saying Savior. That's why up here we've got Christ Jesus, and under Jesus, kind of diagonal, is Savior. Because the Old Testament word, Yeshua, how do you say it? Yeshua, or Yeshua. Yeshua, Yeshua, something along that way. How I remember it is Yeshua donkey, Yeshua. That's how I remember it. Yeshua means salvation, and it's Jesus' name in the Old Testament. And when Jesus saved you in the Old Testament, when they used that word salvation in the Old Testament, most of the, a lot of the time they were talking divine healing. Divine healing. Divine healing. Uh, in, uh, let's see, let's see if, I, if it's this one it is. It said, I have waited for thy salvation. I have waited for thy Yeshua. I have waited for thy Jesus. Oh, Lord, I've waited for thy salvation. And that's in uh, Genesis 49 and 18. In Psalms 70 and 4, it says, Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee, and let such a love, uh, let such as love thy salvation, Yeshua, say continually, let God be magnified. They understood when they, in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, because they, they, uh, the Greeks even knew Hebrew, they understood that when they said the word Yeshua, it meant to be completely delivered and made whole. It drew the picture of somebody being made whole. Uh, now let's go to, uh, Let's go to Matthew. I want to show you this. We've talked about this before. Let's go to Matthew. I'm going to look at the lady with the issue of blood. I'm going to look at her. He's done mess with me here. I've got to get back to where I was. Uh, yeah, they got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hold on, let me get back to where I was at because I want get, to get it right. Oh, that's why I'm not in the right spot. Hold on. I told you I lost my notes today, so you just got to bear with me. So, we, so we've learned that, that saved doesn't just mean our soul is saved, but, but we're also delivered from sickness and disease and he, and those sort of things. This is why in, in Luke 5.23, Jesus was able to say, uh, when he healed the man and told him to rise up and walk, and the Pharisees said, what are you doing? And it, uh, uh, Well, he didn't tell him to rise up and walk. He said, he says, rise up and walk, your sins are forgiven. Right. And, and they're like, what are you doing? And he says, well, it, is it easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk? That's right. You know, I want you to go to Matthew. It's, it's, it amounts to the same thing. I want you to go to Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine. Here is the woman with the issue of blood. Take your time because I want to cover a lot of ground. 
here's the woman with the issue of blood. This woman had been bleeding for, what was it, 12 long years? She had been bleeding profusely for a long time. She wasn't allowed to be in society because she was considered unclean. That's how they kept disease out of communities, is if you had a sickness that could be transmitted by touch or of some type, then you weren't allowed to be in the society. And so this woman had this issue of blood. In other words, uh, she was, uh, blood was leaving her body. Blood was leaving her body. Um, and so therefore she was unclean. She wasn't allowed to be around people. But she had heard of Jesus. She had heard that Jesus was coming. And she had gone to many, many doctors and had grown worse and worse. And then in Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 21... Am I on the right? No, I'm in chapter 10. Chapter 9, verse 21. I was on the right page, wrong spot. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. She said this. She said, if I may touch but the hem of his garment, so-so. Yep. So-so. So she, she could said, have just as easily said, if I could but touch it, the hem of his garment, I shall be saved. Right. That's basically what she said. She said, so-so. Which is translated in this situation, they translated it correctly, I shall be made whole. In other words, not only am I going to stop bleeding from my body, but my blood level. Now listen, when you've got a bleeding issue and you've had it for 12 years, you're very weak. You're mentally not there. Your body is swelling. You've got all kinds of problems. Remember, I went through some anemia issues and I'm telling you, it wasn't pretty, right? Well, could you imagine her going through this for 12 years? For 12 years. And it said that she went to many doctors and only grew worse. In other words, they couldn't fix the problem. But she said, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' clothing, I don't even have to touch him. He doesn't have to lay hands on me. He doesn't have to pray for me, anything. If I can just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, so so. I'm going to be completely saved and completely made whole completely made whole now as she now as and let me just draw you the picture of what was happening here is so he jesus has jairus with him and jairus is believing for a miracle for his daughter because his daughter's laying in the bed about to die and and he's he's trying to get jesus to her before she takes her last breath because as far as jairus knows once she takes her last breath that's it it's done so he's trying to get Jesus to him, to, her, to his daughter, and here comes a great multitude. When you look up that great multitude, the indication is at bare minimum, it's hundreds of people. Hundreds, yes, hundreds, uh, up into and including thousands. So he's like in this massive mob of people. And he and here's Jairus. Jairus is number one. He's trying not to lose him, lose Jesus in this massive crowd. And number two, he's trying to hurry him along, but there's people blocking him. There's people blocking him. And the woman says, and here comes here comes this woman who's got this issue of blood. She's not even allowed to be in public, and yet she's so desperate to be saved and healed that she's willing. To push her way through this crowd of people. Now, if somebody recognizes her, it's all over because they can stone her right there on site. 
But she's willing to push through this crowd of people and and just and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Now the picture that I see, if she's looking to touch the hem and he was in a in a gown, a, a robe, so to speak, how much I'm thinking she's on her hands and knees because she's weak and she's and she's trying not to be spotted. She's trying not to be recognized. I imagine she's got a cloak over her, a hood over her, and she's down there risking being trampled and she's down low on her hands and knees trying to get to him. And the whole time she's going, I believe she's saying, Sozo, 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 Sozo. If I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. If I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. If I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. And all of a sudden, she reaches out and she touches him. And instantly, she's made whole. Instantly, she's saved. Instantly, something grabs a hold on the inside. Now, I'm not trying to be crude and I'm not trying to be gross. But if you go back and you research this, the indication is she was hemorrhaging. She was bleeding from her female organs. So she's in the crowd. Do you think in the middle of the crowd she's going to hike up her skirt and see if the bleeding stopped? No. But, yeah, and I'm not being crude. But my point is that she didn't have physical evidence in the moment to know that the bleeding has stopped. But she sensed the power of God go in her, and she knew that something had changed. She knew something had changed. She knew that so-so had taken hold, had taken hold. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I believe that there's probably a good probability that when she got home, knowing that something had changed, when she got alone, I guarantee you, she immediately checked. Did the bleeding stop? And I honestly imagine that more than likely, her body said, uh-uh, nope, it's still bleeding. But I believe she had to make a determination, no, I know what I, I know, so-so. I know so-so took place. I know that I know. I know, see, and that's when we believe, because how much, you know, when you get born again, you don't see any difference. When you get born again, other than there's something on the inside, nothing on the outside has changed. But then you go back to do some of the things that you used to do. And it just doesn't bring you pleasure anymore. You go to you go to talk a certain way, you go to drink a certain thing, you go to do a certain thing, you go to behave a certain way, and all of a sudden that just tastes dirty. It just it just, that's just dirty. And you can begin and you begin to change. Well, guess what? Health and healing works the same way. When you receive salvation. When you received so-so, you also received wholeness. But your body is going to tell you different. And you've got, to, you've got to tell your body, I'm as healed as I am saved. I'm as set free as I am saved. I know that I know. I know that I know that I'm healed. I know that I know that I'm whole. 
when the, when 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 sickness attacks, when symptoms hit, you've got to say, "I know that I know." Now, I learned this from Kenneth E. Hagen. Kenneth E. Hagen learned this from the Father God. He got over into Mark eleven twenty three and twenty four, and found out that you have what you say. What you have, what you say. So he began to declare. In, his, in, in the bed, he, remember, he was paralyzed from the waist down. And honestly, at that point, most, most of the top of his body was paralyzed probably 80 to 90% of the time. There were days that, that he couldn't even barely get his tongue to move. He was so paralyzed because of the heart defects. But he got over into Mark 11, 22 and 23. And it said, now have faith in God or have the faith of God. Verily, verily, when Jesus says verily, verily, you need to pay attention. He's calling you by first, middle, last name to get your attention. He's saying, pay attention, this is important. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mount, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Well, so Dad Hagen began to say, he began to speak to the mountain of sickness. He began to speak to being paralyzed. He began to say, I'm healed and whole in Jesus' name. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I was healed. And if I was healed, then I am healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm no longer paralyzed. By his stripes, I'm now strong. By his, and he was declaring it, 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 and the whole time he was bedfast. The whole time he was in the bed. And he was declaring it, and he was declaring it, he was declaring it, because you have what you say. And he was declaring it and declaring it and declaring it and declaring it and declaring it. And finally, the Lord said, well, when are you going to act on it? He said, Lord, what? He said, well, you keep telling me you're healed. You keep telling me you're whole. You keep telling me by my stripes you've, got, you've received your healing, but you're still laying in the bed like a sick person. And he said, and Dad Hagen said, well, God, what do you expect me to do? And God said, Healed people don't stay in the bed. Now, he's paralyzed from the waist down. And God told him, healed people don't stay in the bed. How much you know? God will challenge your faith sometimes. He'll challenge you. So, Dad Hagen said that just got all over him. It just made him mad. So, he, in his paralyzed state, he was in a four-post bed, big four-post bed. So, he, in his paralyzed state, squirmed his way to the bottom of the bed. It's early in the morning. It wasn't in, nobody had come to sit with him during the day yet. So he knew this was his time. So he uh, so he inched his way, this upper body strength, what little he had, inched his way to the bottom of the bed. And when he got down by the bottom of the bed to that four post bed, he kind of grabbed the four the post with one arm and threw off one of his what seemed like an old dead leg, threw it off the edge of the bed. And then he scooted over and he got the other leg off the bed and he held on to the four-post bed. And he sat there and he said, he, he, he basically hung there dangling, holding on to the post, bottom half of his body completely paralyzed. But, by fa- but see, he moved by faith. He, got, he, he acted on faith. And he, as he said, he said, as he hung there, he just said, by his stripes, I am whole. By his stripes, I am healed. 
By his stripes I am healed. I have strength in my body. I have strength in my body. I have. I am able to walk. I'm able to get up. I'm able to move. And he just began to confess the word, acting on faith. And he said, all of the sudden, warm heat started, I believe at the top of his head. I believe it did. It's been a while since I've read his testimony. It started at the top of his head. It felt like warm honey. And it began to creep down as he confessed, hanging there with every. Now, mind you, this man is bed fast. He's skin and bones. He has no weight on it. He has no muscle mass to hold himself there. In fact, many days of the week, even his arms are unfunctional. But by faith, he's holding himself up off the floor by his arms. And he's saying, by his stripes, I'm healed. 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 Hold on. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. And he said that honey, that warm honey began to, is what it felt like. It wasn't warm honey, but it was just a warm, thick, heavy glow. I have felt that. And uh, he said it just creeped down his body and into his legs. And as he was holding on to that bedpost, declaring the word of God, as that, as that anointing, that warm feeling got down, suddenly strength came into his legs and suddenly instead of hanging by his by holding on hanging by his arms suddenly he was standing on his two skinny scrawny legs he was standing and he was shaking and he was standing he stood there and he just began he just declared it and 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 he said as he declared it and he stood in faith saying essentially sozo I'm healed, I'm healed. I made whole, I made whole. Strength came into his body, and it wasn't very long, and he was able to stand on his own two feet. He was able to get dressed. Now, it wasn't like he was running a marathon. It wasn't with beautiful grace, but he got himself dressed, and he worked his, and he walked himself down to the stair, down the stairs, and he went into the kitchen where the family was having breakfast because they'd eat their breakfast and then they'd bring him breakfast. And he walked into the room and he pulled out a chair and he sat down and he had breakfast. And he never did get back in the bed of sickness again. You have what you say. What happened? Well, we're talking about Sozo. Why was he able to have it? He, because healing belonged to him when he got saved. Healing belonged to him when he got saved. In the old, now you, do you have to be a born again believer to get saved? Well, no, because they got or to get healed. Well, no, they got healed in the Old Testament. They got healed in the Old Testament without being born again. So a person that is not born again can receive the healing power of God, but that's a healing in the moment. But what we have to understand is by so do I'm coming to you. I promise. When, but what we have to understand by sozo is that when we received salvation, we also received wholeness, which means no sickness has its right, doesn't have a legal right to attach itself to our body. Amen. No sickness has a right to attach itself to our legal, to legally attach itself to our body. Now, we have to enforce that. We have to enforce it. We have to enforce it. Because if we allow it, it's going to stick. Yes, ma'am. Praise God. Ah. What a wonderful question. That comes, Let's go to that 1 comes Peter 2.21. 1 Peter 2.21. 1 Peter 
224. 224, wow. yes. <laughs> Let's go to First Peter. Let's go to first. What a wonderful question. Yes, because we were going there. Yes. <laughs> See, this is all part of the salvation package. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 24. Glory to God. And it's towards the end. First Peter, chapter 2. Yeah, if you get to um, Hebrews, it's Hebrews, James, then Peter. Yep. Hebrews, James, then Peter. And they're just tiny Peter. little books. First Peter 2.24, look at what's written here. It says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. So that's Jesus bearing our sins. That's when we get saved. Or that's when... That's right. That's when it was completed. That we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Jesus, when he was, before he was crucified on the cross, many people don't understand this. Before Jesus was crucified on the cross, he was sent to the whipping post. Now, by Roman law, when, Roman law, when you went to the whipping post, their laws say if you got the full measure of the law, then that meant that you got 40 stripes save one, which means they whipped you 39 times. However, uh, if you'll remember in the scriptures, it says that they got a little too wound up in whipping Jesus, and they took it farther than they were supposed to, which means that Jesus really pr received probably more than 39 stripes. Now, here's the other thing about the striping. When we think of being whipped, we think of a single single piece of leather that's a whip. Right. Jesus was whipped with what's called the cat of nine tails, yep. which means basically, it was not... Basically, they had nine pieces of leather, Yes. nine leather straps, and they put uh, pieces of glass or nails in the end of them, kind of like the, the cat's claws, and then they whipped you with that. That's right. And this, this, so every time the whip hit, it would stick into you. And when they pulled the whip back, it would rip, it literally rip the flesh from your body. From his body. So the, so uh, he he was whipped with the cat of nine tails. Now before, now also at the time of his whipping, remember they also put the crown of thorns on his head. Remember this was a crown that was uh, uh, weaved of a vine that had very thick, very sharp, very rugged barbs on it. And they put this crown on his head, and then they took reeds, and they hit him in the head and hit him in that crown to drive those thorns into his head. Now, why did that have to occur? I'm so glad that you asked. So glad that you asked. Because... The blood, because the life of a person is in the blood. Our life is in our blood. When, G, when God made man in the garden and he breathed life into Adam's nostrils, that breath went into Adam's body and mingled with the blood. This is why your body requires blood to live is because the life of God is in your blood. Now, when we sin, when we choose to do wrong, when we know to do right, we basically sell ourselves to Satan. 
I'm just trying to make it as plain to you from a spirit. I'm trying to explain a, a, a spiritual principle from a natural standpoint. So basically for that momentary pleasure, you're selling your soul. You're selling yourself, your spirit, your eternity over to Satan. The only way to purchase a life back is with blood. The only way that the Father God could purchase us back is, he, is, is somebody's blood had to be poured out. That somebody is Jesus. And so when he was, when the crown of thorns was placed on him and blood began to seep or protrude from his head, every mental illness, every emotional bondage, anything that has to do with, men, with the head, any sickness that deals with the head, that blood that Jesus poured out at, that, at, the, at the putting on of the crown, that blood was poured out so that you did not have to endure that mental, that, mental that, that neurological, that sickness. That sickness was put on Jesus when that crown was beat into his head. Every single stripe, they say that there's 39 classifications of sickness in the medical world today. So they say, the theologians believe, that with every stripe, every time that whip hit him, a classification of sickness was laid on Jesus' body, and Jesus bore that sickness or carried that sickness for us. For us. So... The penalty, remember earlier this morning I said, uh, the penalty of sin is death. And sickness is what brings death on the scene. So what Jesus did is Jesus took the penalty of sickness. In other words, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter. If you're dealing with addiction, if you're dealing with alcoholism, if you're dealing with disease of the thyroid, the lungs, the eyes, the brain, it doesn't matter what sickness you're dealing with, that sickness, no matter what it's called, is, was placed on Jesus' body. He endured it for you. He carried it for you so that you don't have to carry it. That's part of the salvation package. What he went through was to obtain he, he, Jesus didn't go to the cross just to obtain heaven for you. He went to the cross so that you can have the abundant life here on the earth. He went to the, he went to the whipping post so that sickness, so that you could rule and reign over sickness and you could tell sickness, you know what? Jesus handled that sickness for me. Jesus handled this brokenness for me so that I don't have to. Jesus was put into pain. If you deal with chronic pain, and I, and, and I have dealt with it, and I still deal with it from time to time, but I deal with it a lot less than I used to because pain has a loud voice. But when pain hits, I have to declare, pain, you have no right to me. Get out in Jesus' name. Jesus handled that pain so I don't have to. Pain, you have no right to me. Why? Because Jesus obtained it at the same time he obtained my salvation. So he went to the cross. Now I want you to go to Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13, that's right after Corinthians. Galatians 3.13. I have to go back one more page. Okay. 
says, Christ hath redeemed, in other words, Christ has paid the penalty, has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus was hung on a tree, and he was made the curse for us so that we don't have to be cursed. What is the curse? Go to Deuteronomy 28. There's a whole lot there. Deuteronomy okay. 28. Don't have time to read it, but I do want you to see where it's at. So you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28. So and it, it goes on, it starts in verse 1, and it says, And it shall come to pass. If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. And this is Moses talking to the people, the Israelites. Because God told Moses to say this to them. Yeah. That the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and do all that he commanded. So I'm not going to go on from there. But but we'll the, get trapped. Yeah, because at the first part, it's it's just saying that that if we do what God tells us to do, if we follow His commandments, we will be blessed. Right. But then over in verse fifteen, is it? Yeah. Yep. In verse fifteen, it says, "But it shall come to pass that if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee." And then from the, for the rest of the chapter, it talks about the curse. Yes. And, and it's a long chapter. Yes. 68. Si from verse 15 to verse 68 is the curse. Now, I need to help you with translation. As you read the curse, which lists all kinds of sicknesses, mildews, all kinds of problems, when you read it, especially if you read it in the King James, some translations are a little easier, but they still apply it. It will say, because this is God speaking, Moses speaking on the behalf of God, it'll say, I, the Lord your God, will cause these things to come upon you. God is a good God. Everything that God has is good. Everything that God does is good. It's a bad translation. They used the wrong tense of the word. Instead of I will cause, it should say I will allow. I will allow. Because when you, when you are not doing what God tells you to do, because God is a God of rule and honor, rule um, and law, he's going to follow the law. And if you choose to go against God, which means that's going to put you on the devil's territory, if you chose to get over there on the devil's territory, then God, by spiritual law, has to allow the devil access to your life. And what the devil's going to bring to you is the curse. Because yeah. when you sin, you, you separate yourself from God. And he has no choice at that point but to remove his protection from you. Right. And, right. and and that and all he has to do is remove his protection, and the devil's going to go, cool, I've right. got free reign. You know, we talk about this, you know, we've, we've said this before. There's a big storm coming, big storm coming, lightning, thunder, hail, all that stuff. It's outside. And we tell you, 
come in the house. Come in the house. You come in the house, you're protected, right? Right. right? You're, the lightning's likely not going to hit. He's going to. If the lightning hits, it's going to hit the house. But you're inside the house, but you're going to be okay. But the thunder, the hail, you know, you're not going to get thumped in the head with the big hail and all that. You're going to be safe. You're going to be inside because you're in the protection of the house. But if we say come in the house and you say, no, I want to go stand out in the middle of the big field, um, guess what? You're not under the protection and you're the tallest thing in the field. So there's a good chance that lightning's going to hit you. There's a good chance that if hail comes pouring out of the sky, you're going to get pelted. Now, did we put you out there in the storm? Nope. No. We choice. said come into the house, but you chose to stand out there in the field. Same thing with God. He said, if you'll do what I tell you to do, you'll be under my protection. But if you choose to stand out there in the field and Satan brings a lightning storm and a hailstorm, well, if you get zapped, it's your fault. Okay? So that's it. So the curse is all of these wonderful things that are listed. Right. Now, and, now, I'm going to tell and you. And I'm going to save you some time. You could go and you could, you could read the curse and read all these these verses, and you can study out each one of these verses and, and figure a, out exactly what all the curses are, and that's and that's good to do. But to save you time, if you go to verse sixty-one, it says also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Or so that means say, then the Lord will allow. That means every sickness, every plague, every disease. All of it is included in the curse. But Jesus allowed himself. Now, make no mistake. Jesus gave his life. Jesus willingly. He was not forced to. He took the penalty for us. He willingly went to the whipping post. He willingly went to the cross. He willingly allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. He willingly uh, hung there suffocating. He willingly allowed himself to be speared in the side. He gave up the ghost. The scriptures even say, no man taketh my life, but I lay it down. And he told, and he told the Roman soldiers, and he told those that were persecuting them, do you not know that, if I, that all I have to do is give the word and the Father will send a legion of angels and set me free? Jesus willingly went to the cross on our behalf. Now, he didn't want to. Which is why I mean, he... Who, who would want to go through all that? Right. But Remember? he knew that he had to right. in order for us to be saved. And he loved us so much that he did that. So healing is part of the salvation package. He willingly had your sickness laid upon his body so that you wouldn't have to be sick. He willingly went to the cross because of your sin so you wouldn't have to go to hell. He willingly allowed himself to be separated from the Father. Don't fall out on me. Come on, don't fall out on me. He willingly went to hell in our place for three days and three nights. I know being raised in the church and with doctrines, I, when, I, when, somebody, when my pastor said, Jesus went to hell on your behalf, I said, heresy, oh my God. Jesus didn't ask Jesus, say Jesus. No, the Bible's very clear. Jesus went to hell on our behalf. He paid the price for us so that we could live the abundant life here on the earth. 
He took on sickness. He took on sin. He took on all the troubles of the world so that we could be completely made whole. And the reason why he was able to do that is because he was the perfect spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice. He never sinned. He 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 probably was never sick either. No, you know. In fact, he wasn't ever. I can tell you right now, sickness comes because of sin, and he never sinned. So he and he knew sick. the Father, so no sickness could touch him. No sickness could touch him. If sickness tried to touch him, I guarantee you, he said, "Get thee behind me, Satan! You have no right to put that on me," because he understood his legal right. Now, he understood his now some right. will say that, that the Bible doesn't talk about Jesus when he was a kid and stuff, so he may have been running around sinning and, and talking back to his parents and doing all this stuff, but, but there's no way. Because if, if, if he was, he wouldn't have been able to be he the sacrifice for us. He wouldn't have qualified. He wouldn't qualify. Jesus is our example, and Jesus showed us that it's possible to live sin-free even without the Holy Ghost even without the born-again spirit, because he did it. He lived on the earth for 30 years, never sinned a day in his life without the Holy Ghost. But then he got the Holy Ghost, and then he went to work. Uh, So with the Holy Ghost on the inside of us, with this new born-again spirit, we are able to stand against sin. But we're talking about healing. what, what, What I really want to get over to you is you are as healed as you are saved. You need to start saying that and get it down on the inside of yourself. I'm as healed as I am saved. I'm as healed as I am saved. Turn to Romans chapter 8, I believe it is. Romans chapter 8. This way. Romans chapter 8. I believe that's where we need to be. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Well, let's start in verse 14. All right. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How do you know you're a son or daughter of God? You, you begin to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. That's a confirmation. Now, if you're, new, if you're brand new and you're like, what's it mean to be led? What's the Spirit and all that? Well, it doesn't mean you're not a child. We'll get you there. Uh, but if you've been around the Word any amount of time... Um, especially if you've been here any amount of time, I assure you we'll get you to understanding it. But as you're being led by the Spirit, you'll know that you're a child of God. But in case you don't have that confirmation, let's keep reading. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we call Abba Father. Now here's the deal. Before you came into Christ, Many people are overwhelmed with fear. But once you come into Christ and you learn who you are, even when fear attacks, there should be something on the inside going, this just isn't, I mean, yeah, I've got fear, but it doesn't seem like I should be afraid. Why? Because you've got God on the inside of you. But here, verse 16, look at this. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. That we are the children of God. Again, bad translation. Shouldn't say itself, it should say himself. Himself. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now, we tend to say the Holy Spirit lives on the inside. Really, what's really what's going on on the inside is your spirit is alive unto God. Your spirit's alive unto God, and your spirit has a direct connection to the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding your spirit. Okay? So the Spirit of God, uh, the Holy Spirit himself, bad translation, himself, because the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not an it. It's a him. Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. When you are born again, when you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, on the inside, there should be a knowing that you're heaven bound. You just know that you know. You just know that you know. You can't explain it. You look at your life and you go, well, if I had to look at my life, I'd question it. But yet on the inside, I just know that I know that I'm heaven bound. That's the Holy Spirit bearing witness to your spirit that you're saved. That same spirit will also bear witness with you that you are the healed of the Lord. And I started earlier with, um, you know, Dad Hagen getting up out of the bed and that I learned this from him. When I came into Christ, I had a lot of sickness in my body. I had been sick from the time I was a baby. I, had, I grew up sick. I was sick all the time. Then we got over into, I had been, I had been told we'd never have children. Uh, then we got over, in, and then I got into a car accident, messed up my back. I, I mean, I, Mom had to brush my hair for me for the longest time, uh, or Michael, because I couldn't, I, couldn't I couldn't do it. Um, I barely could brush, d- dress myself because of the accident. Um, and so I just had a lot of sickness to overcome. I had a lot of sickness to overcome. And there would be days that I would, uh, because of the sickness, especially church days, God kind of, he worked with you where you're at. During the week, I could get away with it a little bit. But if it was church day, there wasn't no getting away with it. Because every time it get close to church and, and my body would throw sickness at me, on the inside, my spirit would say, aren't you healed? Yeah, Lord, I'm healed. On my, in my spirit, I'd heal. The sick don't stay in the bed. Or the healed I don't mean, the healed stay don't in stay bed. in the bed. The healed don't stay in the bed. If you're healed, get out of the bed. If you're Because I'd be laying in the bed. Oh, I'm so awful. By his stripes, I'm healed. Oh, it's so awful. Oh, I can't get out of the bed. Oh, it's awful. By his stripes, I'm healed. And Jesus finally got fed up with me. And Jesus said, are you healed? Yes, Lord, by his stripes. The Bible says that I believe it. That's it. I'm healed. Then get out of the bed. But, Lord, I just don't even know if I can dress myself. He said, they've helped you before. They'll help you again. Get out of the bed. Okay. And then I get and then I get fleshy indignation. You know, not righteous indignation, but fleshy indignation. And guess what? All of a sudden, I got power to get dressed. And then come out of the room, drag myself out of the room like an old dead cat. And the husband would say, well, I thought you were staying in the bed. Holy Ghost won't let me. Just get me in the car. Why? By his stripes I am healed. Now Healing we, is part of the salvation if, package. If we, if we go back to, the, back to Romans 10 and verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So part of getting healed or part of getting saved is confessing with your mouth. So when Robbie was was laying in the bed going, oh, I'm so terrible, I can't move my arms, I can't get up, she was confessing the wrong thing. That's right. But then I turn around and confess, by his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, so I'm our healed. confession has to line up with what we believe. Right. 
and if we believe that we're healed, if we know that Jesus died on the cross so th- and, and took those stripes so that we wouldn't have to be sick, then our confession has to line up with that. If we go around saying, oh, woe is me, I hurt, I'm terrible, you know. I mean, yes, you're going to feel pain in your body. Yes, you're going to have things that come up. The devil's going to try to attack you. But you have to confess against it. and You have to confess that Jesus died for my sins and therefore, and he took my stripes, and therefore, this sickness has no right to my body, and it's going to leave. We could read this verse this way and do no harm to the, do no harm to the scripture at all. If thou shalt confess with the mouth of the Lord, Je- the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that uh, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Or you we shall could, be made whole. We could, we could say, I shall, if I, well, I believe that Jesus raised, or that the Father raised Jesus from sickness, from sickness, from all sickness, I believe that God healed Jesus from all sickness because when he went into the grave, all sickness was in his body. So for him to be healed from death meant he had to be healed from all sickness. I believe that God set Jesus free from all sickness, then I shall be made whole. If I believe that Jesus took my sickness, like I believe that Jesus took my penalty of death, then I can be made whole. So, so, so when we received salvation, for us to, for us to receive eternity in heaven, and live in the earth with sickness and say, "Well, this is just my cross to bear," is to is to make the work of Christ of no effect. Yep, because he already bore the cross. Because he already bore it. He already handled it. He already did it. You know, that'd just be kind of silly. For Michael, my husband, to go and handle a problem for me, go take care of a problem for me, and then for me to turn around and uproot the problem and make the problem all over again just so I could handle it. Yourself. Myself. You know, some, if, if y'all saw me doing that, you'd be scratching your head going, what is she doing? But how much you know, when we receive sickness in our body, that's what we do to Jesus. We uproot that sickness and say, well, Jesus, I know you. Jesus... Listen, Jesus, I know you handled all of that problem, those digestive issues. I know that he handled all of that for you. And, you know, but you know what, Jesus, I just prefer to have my digestive issues, and I'll just keep it myself. I mean, I know you went through all of that, and you suffered with it, and you had pain with it, and you can't really undo that, but mm, I'll, just, I'll just keep it for myself. How much do you know Jesus is up there going, child? So, so if we can claim, if we can claim our, if we can claim our salvation with our confession with our mouth, then we can claim our healing with our confession with our mouth. That's right. That's right. That's right. And it's a complete package. When Jesus saved you, He saved you completely. He saved you completely. So it's perfectly acceptable for you to walk around saying, "I'm as healed as I am saved." I'm as healed as I am saved. And let me clarify this. <laughs> I'm as healed as I am saved. Let me, let me clarify this. Just because you say it out of your mouth and believe it one time doesn't mean no. it's going to manifest right that second. No, no. It might. Praise God, it might, because he might. has mercy and grace. But a lot of times, it just means you're going to recover. Yeah. And that you're going to heal. And you're going to get better. But here's but the But you've got to keep confessing it. You've got to keep saying it. Always believe for the miracle instant. Yes. Always believe. Anytime I pray for somebody, I believe they got it right then and there. If it takes a little while, well, that's okay too. 
But always believe, I've received it right now. But just because you right don't now. see it instantly, don't give up on it. Mm-mm. God is faithful and just, Mm-mm. and he does what he says he's going to do. And if he said he was going to do it, it's going to happen. Well, look at it this way. If, if you got born again last week, now think about when back there when you got born again. Don't think about who you are today. Think about who you were back there when you got born again. When you got, when you got saved, when you gave your life to Christ. Think about what you look like back there. If I saw you two days after you got born again, would I think that you were saved and heaven bound? Nope. Well, guess what? (laughs) Healing works kind of the same way. You got to believe it, then you'll see it. You got to believe it, then you'll see it. Now, just like you've grown and you've changed and you're walking in the newness of life now and the old man's in the grave, why don't you just go ahead and put the rest of the old man in the grave, put the sickness in there with him. Put the sickness in there with him. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. I preach myself happy, whole, and, ha- and well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Happy, whole, and well. You got our offering tonight? I left mine in the wallet. Oh, do you have your wallet? I have my wallet. Glory to God. I know you got some cash in there. Praise the Lord. Probably. Praise the Lord. I know you got some in there. Listen, listen. We learned a long time ago. I'm not putting any pressure on anybody. But we learned a long time ago not to ever let an offering plate go by without putting something in it. If all you've got to put in it is a seed of faith, put a seed of faith in it. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, as we sow tithes and offerings. Father, now Lord, I just just heard it and I just saw it, so I'll pray that way tonight. Now Father, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he watched the giving he watched and he said to his disciples that widow woman had put more in who'd only put in a penny she had put more in than all the rest put together because she put in by faith and so father we don't sow out of we don't sow to be seen we don't sow out of our abundance but father we sow in faith And we know that you see our sowing. And we know that you see our giving because we know that you watch the giving plate. And you do it not to scold your people, but you do it because you want to pour them out a blessing. And so, Father, as your people sow tonight, as we sow tithes and we sow offerings, as we sow what you put on our heart to sow, Father, I don't care if it's a seed of faith, just believing for seed to sow, Or, Father, if it's stretching them beyond what they could think or believe that they could give, Father, no matter what it is, I ask that you bless them and you cause an increase to come to them in Jesus' name. Now, Satan, we know that you're the God of this world, but you're under the authority in Jesus' name. You release and let go every financial blessing that belongs to these people. Every financial increase, the money that you're holding back, The increase that you're holding back, we command you to release it and let it go. We command you to release not only that that you're holding back, but you also release that which you've stolen with the sevenfold return. And ministering angels, go according to the word and cause the finances to come in every area of life. And Father, we thank you for it. We thank you that your word is working and we receive the increase in Jesus' mighty name. Amen Amen. and amen. Now, Father Michael, and I thank you personally.
for that significant increase that you told us to believe for. Amen. We know that we have received it by faith. Father, we give you glory and honor. Father, we thank you for it. Now, I said earlier in the service earlier today, the word of the Lord uh, for the year was, you know, prepare yourself, build the character of God, and that's true. But this is what the prophet said because this is what the Lord told him on December 11th. On December 11th, he told him, it's out of Saul 16, uh, I mean, Samuel, Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, I believe it is. He, uh, God asked Brother Randy, how long will you mourn Saul? They were mourning Saul, Samuel was. But then he went on and he said, the Lord said, go, fill your horn with oil. Or he said, fill your horn with oil and go. And what that means, so the word of the Lord for this year is fill your horn with oil. And he was referring to the anointing oil. Uh, so for us, what that means is spend time with God. Preparing for Prepare yourself. For set yourself aside. Preparing for the coming of God. Spend, spend time. You know, we say it this way. Consecrating, dedicating yourself. In other words, set time aside for God and let God work on you. Fill yourself up with God and then go out and do what he says to do. That's the word from the prophet for this year.